I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Thanks to Becky Bruce for that breaking news. Again, the passing of Olivia Newton-John at age of 73. Uh, We're going to turn our attention back to Washington, D.C. Obviously, over the weekend, we've stayed with the conversation and stayed with the question as it relates to what actually is in the Inflation Reduction Act. And we looked at all the different components of it. Now we want to get into one of the bigger components of it, Uh, the, the bill that the Senate passed uh, over the weekend, uh, sets aside hundreds of billions of dollars to fight climate change, to help people transition to electric vehicles, make green energy more affordable. But the road to a cleaner energy future is filled with a, a whole lot of opportunities. And I got to say, there's a whole lot of potential potholes in there as well. Steve Muffson's a reporter for The Washington Post covering the business of climate change. And uh, Steve, Steve and I've been uh, anxious to get your perspective on this. Uh, there's some good things in there, to be sure. There's some things that are a little bit of a head-scratcher, none of which I think have to do with inflation. Uh, but let's talk about what this does mean in terms of an approach to climate. Well, I think overall it's a good approach. Uh, tax incentives have frequently been used to try to uh, get people to behave in certain ways. And in this case, the idea is to get people to spend more on uh electric vehicles and other uh, energy efficient technologies such as uh, heat pumps. But um, like like any federal subsidy program, this one um, isn't an exact science by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, A lot of companies um, that had uh, supposedly run out of tax credits a couple of years ago, like GM, have continued selling them, albeit in small numbers. And um, so I think that's, that's, the, that's the key. You know, we're going to try to incentivize certain types of behavior, but like any other effort to do that, um, it's not going to work so smoothly. Some people would have bought EVs anyway, and um, some people would have engaged in other investments, uh, you know, in, in the business world. Yeah, one of the things that you pointed out in uh, in your piece uh, was this uh, idea around the the tax credits and and how that worked. You pointed out that uh, the 2009 stimulus bill, uh, which had the largest investment in clean energy before that, uh, of course, also funded uh, Solyndra, and, and that of course was a, a big challenge for the Obama administration. Are there are there any guardrails? Are there anything uh, within the context of this bill that uh, might avoid that kind of wild swing or something that might have a negative impact in terms of innovation 
uh, or an ability uh, to move it forward? Well, by almost by definition, there's going to be more risk involved, uh, say, in the lending program. One of, you know, one of the things in this uh, bill is a, a green bank, uh, $27 billion to lend out money um, over, uh, well, you know, uh, with, without end, really, <clears throat> the green bank would be self, self-sustaining. Um, but um, that, inher- you know, that, that involves some risk. And um, in the 2009 stimulus package, there was a section that involved loans, and that is uh, the section that gave somebody the cylinder. In the end of the day, though, that loan program from 2009 did quite well, and uh, they had a small handful of of, uh, bankruptcies, but nothing that would change your mind about the virtue of that kind of program. And it's going to be... you know, uh, replicated and then some with this with this uh, green bank in the in the new legislation. Yeah, uh, talk to me for a minute about uh, some of the uh, the incentives, some of the rebates. There, we've talked throughout the day here at KSL about the seventy five hundred credit on all electric engines. Um, yeah, but but really looking at where those materials are coming from, uh, where they're produced, uh, whether it's China or in the United States or other places. Uh, kind of navigate that because it's it's a little more complicated than uh, everybody qualifies and everyone can get uh, a seventy five hundred dollar credit. Uh, give us some of the details sure. of that in terms of implementation. Yeah, well, this is one of the great you know potential potholes out there. You will there there uh, <clears throat> under the current law, companies uh, or I should say under this uh, draft of legislation, companies get or companies can uh, provide their uh, consumers with $7,500 tax credits. Um, But um, there's a requirement that your supply chain should be uh, in the United States. So right now that's that's not the case. We import all sorts of minerals. Sometimes we import entire batteries. And um, it's not, uh, no car company, I don't think, to meet that requirement, and those requirements are for 2024 and 2025. So for the next three, four years, the real challenge is going to be to see whether companies can get their supply chains into a kind of mostly American or all-American position. Um, And, you know, maybe only later you'll be able to use federal money Mm. for buying a, a vehicle. Okay, and and anything else uh, in the actual text of the bill or anything that you've gone through uh, I, I was going to give you a bonus point today for uh, including some of the things under the Jones Act, uh, which not too many people understand, but we'll, I'll save that conversation with you for another day. But uh, bonus points to you for throwing it in there because uh, I think it, I think it actually is important. But uh, anything else in the bill that uh, that caught you or said, OK, that's good or that's a potential pothole? Um, well, I think they're they're all have a little of the pothole potential. I mean, I think part of. Part of the key in this whole program, this whole tax credit program, uh, is to accelerate purchases and other kinds of behavior toward a clean energy economy. And um, the question is, how much will it speed up behavior? And that's where uh, all these details lie. I do think that it will accelerate some behavior, but it, it might be less than we than we thought and i think it doesn't uh completely 
relieve the pressure on on American policymakers to keep looking for ways to try to slow down climate change. Because this is, while it's the biggest thing we've seen uh, here in the United States, it's it's still not big enough. Yeah, and I think that's the important thing is we have to get to the the conversation conversation of where we really look at outcomes in terms of what does this actually do to change the dynamic uh, to make sure we are careful stewards of the environment. And and I think that's where we have to get. And sometimes I think uh, it gets lost in some of those potholes that you've been talking about. And sometimes it gets lost in uh, high level uh, messaging from uh, both the left and the right that uh, distract us and keep us a safe distance from uh, outcome conversations in terms of what will actually make the the biggest change. Uh, Stephen Muffson, uh, reporter for the Washington Post, covering the business of climate change. Uh, Stephen, thanks for your analysis on this. Very helpful, uh, very illuminating in terms of everything that's in there, so we can make a real assessment in terms of what the results might be. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. All right, again, that's Stephen Muffson, reporter for the Washington Post, and again. There are all kinds of things in this bill. Again, it's 755-plus pages. Uh, I think it'll be longer than that by the time it gets its way over to the House. And there are there are potholes. I think that's the, the right way Stephen framed it, that uh, you can look at these are things that can be good. I thought it was interesting that Stephen pointed out that in terms of impact, real impact, results impact on climate, uh, there's not nearly enough in here uh, that will really be a needle mover a game changer uh, in terms of that. And I think that's important to recognize. Now we can, we can applaud, we can cheer for tiny steps forward. I will cheer every step forward uh, for sure. And at the same time, we have to make sure we're looking at all the other impact uh, that it's going to have, not just climate impact, but economic impact. Uh, What's it going to do to communities, to families and uh, right down to the kitchen table. So it has to be a holistic approach to all of these things not just the bumper sticker slogans, not just the high-level stuff uh, that we can hear from either side of the political aisle. Again, all of who are trying to score political points rolling into a very crucial midterm election. So thus far in the program today, we've uh, we've stayed with the conversation. We've been really breaking down what is in this bill and why it matters to you, uh, because I think it does matter to you. And there are some real impacts right here in the state of Utah. Uh, that we have to get to. And so we're going to continue to stay with that conversation. We'll come back at it around 2.35, where we'll pick up uh, with some of those specifics in terms of impact to Utah, especially Utah's rural communities. There is an impact there. There was a huge opportunity uh, for our rural communities uh, to get uh, just a little bit of help. And it actually related to inflation, of all things, the title of the bill. And we'll talk about why that did not happen Uh, coming up at 235. All right, that rounds out hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We're going to step aside for some top of the hour news. And when we come back, uh, we're going to look at Afghanistan. One year later, we'll look at what is happening in the political realm, rolling into the midterms, and much more on Inside Sources. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. KSL FM Midvale. KSL Salt Lake City. Listen on any smart speaker and in your car at 102.7 FM. KSL News Radio, Utah's all day companion for news. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, You need to 
Give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.